and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. The software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. And now, on with the show. Lee Pengelly loaded his first roll of Fuji Belvier into his camera in the early 90s. And from that day on, he got sucked into the world of photography. By 1998, and after some initial sales, Lee gave up his day job and went pro. Since the late 90s, Lee's work has been regularly published in magazines, books, calendars and cards. He's also produced bespoke imagery for businesses and advertising agents. In 2007, Lee started running his own photography workshops in the UK, later leading workshops for other companies in Slovakia, Norway, Iceland and Croatia. Lee gave up professional photography in 2016. This allowed him to return to photography as a form of relaxation, something he was missing while doing it professionally. Since then, he's reignited his passion for stunning landscapes, more intimate scenes and chasing lone trees. We discuss how he made the decisions both to start and then stop his photography business, how he almost lost his bag on an iceberg, and the vagaries of NFT sales, along with lots more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Lee, welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) That's the way. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? Okay. I'm Lee Pangeli. I'm a UK photographer, landscape mainly, but I do all kinds of photography as well. I picked up a camera back in 1992. That's when I started photography. Um, And by 98, I'd gone pro full time, completely immersed in it. I loved it and started making a living out of it. Basically, and I concentrate now on on landscape, but back then I was doing all kinds of photography, everything from fashion shoots and hotel interiors and all kinds of stuff. Um, What makes the money? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh, some of the stuff I'd photograph, you wouldn't believe it. Like you say, you had to make a living, and and that's what I was doing. But landscape is my passion, landscape and travel. So that's I've I've been full time as a photographer up until about 2016, and then life events and stuff. I had to basically give it up as a full time living, and just have it as a paying hobby basically. But sure. to be honest, it's it's freed me up. 
and it's I've burnt out. I've I've completely lost the plot on it and come back to it. And yeah, and right. now it's, it's my real passion, and I love to get out when I can. Cool, cool. What is it that motivated you to start getting into landscapes in particular? Right from the start, really, when I started shooting, I always loved being outdoors and it was a natural thing to to photograph the landscape. I live in Devon, which is right down in the southwest of the UK, yep. and I'm surrounded by coastal scenes and Dartmoor National Park, so it's all on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite quite a natural subject to start with and and I do the solitude as well I go out with the camera and I get completely immersed in it and I can you know sit there for hours and just waiting for the light and stuff so that's sure. it was a natural subject for me sure I guess I'm interested in understanding from most of the people that I talk to the process that they've gone through in terms of when they started photography, a lot of people start recording things that they're seeing around them and yeah. it doesn't turn into art until later. Was that the way that it worked for you or has it always been yeah. an artistic expression? Um, yeah. To be honest, it was when I started out, I, I got into the like the professional side of things quite early. Yeah. Right. So it was I was constrained to shoot stuff that would sell. So it wasn't always shooting stuff because it was a nice scene or I had to make every shot count, basically. And that that is restricting over time. You get to a point and you think, why am I actually shooting this? Yeah. I've got to get out of this kind of... So when in 2016, when I had to go back and get a real job, <laughs> yep. it basically... It, it, I got to the point then where I'd go out and I'd just shoot for the sake of it. And, and it was so liberating. And now it's, I'll go out and I'll shoot stuff and I don't have to think about whether it can make a cover, whether there's enough space for titles and all that sort of thing. You can just shoot the picture because it, it looks nice. Yeah, okay. Talk to me a bit about that period of the decisions that you mentioned before about deciding to walk away from it a bit and then how you came back to it. Yeah, basically, I, mean, I was going through a bit of a period in my life that things weren't working out very well. It's like relationships and stuff. And I, at the time, I at the lead up finishing as a like a full time photographer. I was running workshops. I was shooting. I was just trying to earn a living. Basically, it's yeah. getting harder and harder. So the financial constraints were. It, it was just. I always said to myself, if it ever felt like a job, I would step away from it. And, and that if I got to that point, it's really hard to step away, but I just needed to do it. But at the time, I thought, am I making a mistake? And I did go away from it for a couple of years. I burned, I just couldn't pick up the camera and go out. I just wasn't interested. I even sold all my gear at one point and wow. um, instantly regretted it. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I had to get a proper job and got back into the swing of like normal life stopped traveling so much i was traveling loads with the photography and i was away for sort of six months of the year and yeah i I was just right back to point zero i reinvested in some gear and just started going out and with no ulterior motive just to go out and enjoy the landscape again And and it took a few months to get back into the swing of using the camera again and getting my eye in but it was great it was like it was almost like a a revelation that i'd I hadn't had, had this before. Yeah, yeah. I guess that change from where it is a job 
And as you said, you're not necessarily always shooting things that you want to shoot. A lot of people that use it as a hobby, use it as a, a, a way of relaxing as opposed to something that they even want to consider making a career out of. Was that kind of where you got to now is that it's okay, I don't care whether or not I make money out of it. It's just something that I, I, I do on the side. And Yeah. Yeah, it is nice to make some money out of it. I can sort of spend it on gear or spend it on other stuff or reinvest it into something. I like buying other stuff as well. But it's the pressure, it's the lack of pressure now. That's the main thing. I don't have to make every shot count. I still supply like stock agencies and that's what I've done okay. that pretty much throughout my career. And I still do that because I think they either sit on a hard drive and they never get seen yeah, or you yeah. can put them out there and if you make a bit of money, then, then it's all good. Yeah, fair enough. So comparing now to where you were, are you just going out and doing spontaneous trips and spontaneous shoots or are you doing planning the same kind and level of planning that you were doing before or is it have you carried stuff over from when you were doing it professionally to what, what you're doing now? Um, yeah, it's basically, I still do the occasional commercial job for, for people that I used to work for. So that I, I do that now and then. Mm. But yeah, now it's more, I'll just, it's like this, I've been out this morning. I've recently got into infrared. Okay. It's that season now, all the trees are out in leaf and it's, it's, it's yeah. a nice, nice day here for a change. So I thought I'll, I'll just go out and no ulterior motive. I just went out and you know, just to shoot some stuff. So it, it's nice. And I, I, we, I travel with my partner now. We we went we've been to like city breaks and stuff. We've done Venice and Prague and all these places. Yeah. And I always yeah. take the camera, and it's just nice for me. It's a way to relax. Yeah, you know, it's completely different from what I'm doing now for a living, and it's just a nice way to get out and relax. Is that how you're staying motivated? Just keeping as as that relaxation, and that's basically all that you ever see it being. Yeah, I'd like to think there's always a little notion in, in the I did regret giving it up as a living, but at the time it just wasn't it wasn't working. I would love to travel the world and make a living from it and, and do that all the time. But I'm realistic, I'm I've got bills to pay and it's yeah, yeah. and and like I say, this lack of pressure now, it makes me realise do I really want to go back to scraping a living it photography is a, is a living it's a feast and famine existence one one month you can be up and the next minute everything seems to be crashing down to the floor again yeah, so yeah. i, I yeah. don't miss that i do miss obviously the travel side of things the workshops that i used to do and yeah it would be nice it would be nice to eventually maybe when i retire i can <laughs> use it as a secondary income yeah, when yeah. all the pensions have disappeared <laughs> Fair enough. Or well, how has that change for you and the, the, the change in uh, pressure around it being more of a hobby as opposed to being a, a career, has that changed how you're expressing yourself in your photography much? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because now, like I said, I haven't got the constraints of when I was doing it professionally, it was I go out and shoot like I did this morning. I went out, shot a couple of trees this morning. Yep. But before I would be thinking, I need to have space up here for a cover. I need, you know, I can't have anything with grass in the bottom because if there's a barcode on the magazine cover or something, you yeah, can, the grass will mess that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all these things were going through my head. Whereas now I just go out for, oh wow, that looks nice. 
I can frame it how I want to frame it. And there's no kind of hang ups on, on what I'm doing, basically. Yeah, cool. So it sounds like you mentioned the infrared. It sounds like you've now started to get into a bit of experimentation around different ways of seeing the world. Talk to us about how you got into the infrared side of things and, you know, what that entails. A lot of people, I haven't spoken to a lot of people that do infrared, one or yeah. two, but we haven't really spoken on the podcast before about the things that you've got to do. You've got to either use filters, which can be an absolute pain in the backside, or yeah. you've got to convert a camera. You've actually got to convert, dedicate a body to it. Is that the route yeah. you've taken and what have yes. you actually had to do? Yeah, I basically I met up with I'm quite good friends with uh, Neil Burnell, and we met up last year, went out for a shoot, and he was using his infrared camera, which had been converted to like full spectrum, and seeing what he was doing and, and actually seeing the result on the back of the camera, because yeah. uh, normally with infrared, if you're shooting with a like a DSLR, for instance, you can't see it, you can't yes. see what it looks like, it, it's all done in sort of post process, whereas. Yeah. A full spectrum camera you can actually see on your live view what the what it looks like basically yeah, right. so it's, it's a revelation and i thought wow this looks great and i've been a photographer for you know, over 30 years now i've mm -hmm. tried all different kinds of mediums like i used to I started out on film i've used all different formats but i've never done infrared and mm -hmm. um, so i thought wow this is great it's just you can be more artistic i think with it and mm -hmm. it frees you up a bit because it, it you create pictures that you wouldn't normally see so instantly it becomes more attractive so yeah i basically got one of my sony cameras converted earlier this year it took ages yeah. to get it back from the from the people that were converting it and of course i'd missed the, the first season basically and yeah. but now it's kicking off now i'm out with it all the time yeah cool i guess Infrared is a particular style, but it's not the only style that you're actually doing at the moment. How would you describe your style overall, infrared aside? How, how would you um, describe your style and how has that style developed from where you started to where you are now? For me, it's always been about light. That's, that's the most important thing uh, with photography. I'm not a big fan of post-process and I don't like sitting in front of the computer and spending hours and hours on like sure. processing images i'd rather get it right in camera i've always used filters like physical filters and i probably always will i just like I say it gets the image in here onto the sensor as you as you want to see it basically so i think over the years i've i've loved going out at, like at dawn and dusk so you know, the light is at its best um, yep. and and it's, it's hard because people say, oh, when I used to work, lead the workshops, they would say, oh, how, how do you compose the picture? And it's, it's hard to actually teach that because everybody sees things differently. Yeah. I like big foregrounds. I like all kinds of stuff, but it's, it's the light that's important and obviously the framing. And it's very hard to teach that to people because that's the hardest bit to teach. You, mm. Everybody's got their own vision of how they see things. But I guess over time... Now, I would say, from, I look back at some of my work from my earlier years, and I think, Christ, it's awful. Nobody likes what they used to do. I know. It's, I've got a few pictures that I look back and I think, yeah, that, that was it. But a lot of the stuff I produce, I, I'm not really happy with it now. It's definitely a process, I think, as you get older and, and 
the way things, the subjects change. It's a process. You mentioned trees. Did you shoot a lot of trees early on or is that? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. My first successful image was a tree. That that kind of triggered me to to actually take it up as a living. Um, I'm, I say I, I live quite close to Dartmoor, and there's loads of little small hawthorn trees up on Dartmoor, and they're really picturesque. And what, one of those I shot way back in the nineties was was my first sale. Yeah, that that kind of triggered me on to to, to take it up as a living. Mm. Uh, but I just love, especially solitary trees. I like trees on their own i just think they're very photogenic and i like the whole concept of a tree and how it's rooted and what it's seen in its like in its lifetime and yeah. the fact that a lot of trees outlive us and uh, yeah we've got a, a tree up the up the coast from here and it's one of the it's not tallest but it's one of the largest trees circumference wise it's you know 10 12 meters around across i should say and it, they reckon that it was probably a sapling in the 1770s when oh. the, fir- the first fleet was coming out to Australia. Blimey. And it's just, yeah, just mind-blowing that you can go and stand yeah. under a tree that was being grown that long, yeah, almost yeah. 300 years. Yeah. We got, we've got a lot of oak trees here, and they're quite historic. They're, they're mm. a couple of hundred years old, some of them. And there's ones that I've shot in the past and that have been chopped down for to make way for roads or to yeah. for housing and all that sort of thing so this is why i like photography because you can record stuff and it's, yeah, and it's yeah. there and you can look back on stuff and think that's not there anymore yeah i, I think a lot of people there, there are photographers that do get into that sort of thing but i think if you're doing those landscapes and cityscapes but also some of the more banal day-to-day street scenes and so forth you look back yeah. even now I, I i look back at some of uh mum and dad's photos from the the 60s and 70s and things have changed a lot but you can also see where things have remained the same and i i think it's yeah. fascinating to look back in that through those sort of historic photos and a lot of people that i don't think will recognize that they're doing that recording now for yeah. 30 40 50 100 years later yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. It's, this is the whole thing, like with NFTs, the fact that you're minting stuff and it's going on this blockchain and basically outlive you. you people could still be seeing these pictures in hundred years' time if we don't blow ourselves up beforehand. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you mentioned the fact that you don't like to do a lot of editing. Is that because you want to reflect? almost exactly what you're seeing and what the camera's recording or is it you just don't like editing yeah pretty much i like let's say i like to get it right in camera with physical filters actually which affect the light rather than color in it you know yeah. get it as right as i can and then in post process I, I do very little it's curves levels a little bit i, I do a, a bit of blending now and then if i take a couple of shots and blend them together sure, sure. but generally it's I wouldn't spend more than a couple of hours on a picture if it needed it, but it's it's all done in camera, basically. What what do you define success in your photography as now? Obviously, professionally, it's a bit different to the way that you look at your photography now. What does success look like for Lee? Success for me now is just I get a great pleasure from going out and actually 
looking for that shot, finding the right image. Mm. And when I've captured it, for me, that's success. That's It makes me happy. And that's the most important thing. You've got to, you can't go for it and always be trying to please others, trying to gain likes and all the rest of it. We're all like involved in social media and trying to get our work seen. It's just one of those things. And I think ultimately it's that feeling of going out and finding the shot. That's the bit that, and if you get it and it works, to me, that's the most important success out of it all. Yeah, fantastic. In terms of work-life balance, or I shouldn't say work-life, but photography life and the rest of life balance, how do you fit photography in around family and work now? Yeah, that's that's the difficult bit. Obviously, with this puppy as well lately, it's, I've taken him out a few times, and it's just oh my god. Yeah, dog, <laughs> dogs and photography don't work. miss. They, them and no, dogs. no. I, I honestly don't know how Nigel Danson does it. <laughs> no, God knows. It's like it's crazy. But yeah, I you know I work. Um, I'm back in the. I've, I've actually just set up my own business. I'm a uh, my my background is in the construction industry. So yeah, right. I, I fit kitchens and bathrooms, and I do like maintenance work and stuff like that. So I've recently only just started up my own business again. Um, after working for other people for a few years, so fitting in the photography is way back at the moment. So I get out when I can. Yeah, but that, that in a way that's good because. When I do get out, it's a nice release. It relaxes me. It's, it's a nice, it's a good pastime, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. How do you see photography fitting into your life in the future? Where does, where do you see, as you said, in retirement, maybe it becomes something more or are you happy with where it is now? Um, I'm happy with the balance. If well, I say that, it would be nice to do a bit more. I'd like to travel more. So I think if when it gets to the point of retirement, I'd like to combine the, the two, sort of travel and, and photography. Yeah. But I think I don't know whether I will actually go back to it as a full time career. If something amazing happened, then maybe. But it's not in, in the forefront of my mind anymore. It's just I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, which at the right. moment I am, so I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, happiness is the best place to be, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when you were shooting around the world, uh, what locations were you getting to and uh, what's what's still on the bucket list? You mentioned wanting to travel more. What? Yeah. Where, where would be the first place you went? Um, oh, there's lo- my my bucket list for locations is huge. It's I'd love to go to I'd love to go to Australia, New Zealand, Africa, parts of Africa, all over the place. Cambodia is another place. There's, there's yeah. loads of places. I used to travel with the workshops. I used to go to Iceland, Norway, yep. Slovakia, all these sort of, mainly sort of European countries. Yeah, Croatia was another one. Iceland, Iceland I've been. 13 times to Iceland wow. over the years, mainly Northern Lights trip. You, you got, we go out there for about two weeks at a time, running like back-to-back workshops. And yeah. I, I, I was nocturnal. I was like <laughs> sleeping during the day and out during the night in pitch black and minus 30 <laughs> temperatures, yep. shooting Northern Lights. But it, it was great. I've experienced places and, and experienced things that, I wouldn't have experienced if I wasn't a photographer and it's and I've got the pictures to to look back on and I can instantly be transported back to those times. Yeah, yeah. 
I think that's that's a wonderful part about travel photography is you can just be back there and really yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's the furthest you've travelled to get a shot? Outside of where I live, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it could be around the UK somewhere. Right? Yeah, I've I've done a few trips in the UK where I've just packed up a van and gone off and further up the country, up to the Lake District and places like oh. that, um, which is quite away from where I live. Slovakia was that was a lot of walking to get to the locations. We'd, we'd go up into the mountains and stay in like mountain cabins. And that, that was pretty good. We'd go up there in the winter months and freezing cold, pitch black at night. And, but it was a real sort of adventure. Mm-hmm. Do you think where you live now is influencing how you shoot? It obviously influences what you shoot, but does it influence how you shoot, do you think? I'll come first and... Yeah, I've, I've, so I've lived here. I haven't really moved around in the UK. I've always lived where I live now in this part yeah. of the world. So I'm very familiar with it. I'm My favourite place is actually the coast. I love shooting on the coast. Yeah. And I'm where we live now. We're in the South Hams of, of Devon, which is right down on the coast. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally about 20 minutes away from beaches and yeah, you know, nice. really lovely sort of scenic stretches of coastline. So it's... I, I, I know I've got all these places in my head where I know I can go. So I'm never short of a subject. So when you get like specific conditions, you can just go out and go straight there. You don't have yeah. to think about it. But then on the other hand, when I travel, it's nice to go to a place that I haven't been to. And it takes me a couple of days to get into the swing of things. But it's a great way of, of finding out more about a city or a place you can just get completely immersed in it and that's another thing i love about photography you can you can really discover a place with your camera you mentioned loving getting down to the coast is there a particular spot that keeps calling you back that you just can't shoot enough and it doesn't have to be if it's a secret one don't tell me that one tell me no no not at all yeah i've got there's a couple of places nearby where i live which literally just down the road from me i love shooting boats on water and stuff like that and there's an estuary which is about 10 minute drive yep and i love going there i go back time and time again and people say to me sometimes why do you keep going back and shooting the same place and it's every time i do i come back with something different it's different conditions or different boats or it's all there's always something different yeah, yeah. What's your most memorable experience while out shooting? Oh, it's got to be the Aurora trips that I used to do and yeah. Northern Lights. Um, we were in Norway at a place called Uteclave or Uteclave Beach, mm-hmm. which is one of the, the locations over there. And we went, we were out for about two or three hours and we had this Aurora storm going on and it was so bright. It was like daylight, the, wow. the, the amount of light coming out of the sky. Yeah. And it's a beautiful beach with rocky foreshore with loads of rock pools and things like that. And it was just amazing. That that experience will stay with me forever. It's and right it's, up there. <laughs> what about horror stories? Oh, God. Loads, loads. Breaking cows. I remember shooting on the edge of a lake once and I turned around to get something out of my bag and I heard this splosh, looked around yeah. and I thought, oh my God, this whole, the camera had gone over on the tripod, right underwater. Nearly lost my entire kit in Iceland. I put my bag on a on an iceberg on Diamond Beach, which is where all yeah. the icebergs wash up on the beach. 
put it on a big, massive, great iceberg. And I thought, oh, that'd be fine there. So I'm off, like, shooting. Yeah. And at the corner of my eye, I see this thing moving past me. And I look across, and it's this iceberg with my bag on it, literally going oh, into the sea. <laughs> 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 like, shit! <laughs> so I was running down the beach. <laughs> you got it back? Yeah, I did, thankfully. Yeah, yeah just in time, because the waves there were coming in. I got soaking wet. Getting yeah. it back. Thankfully, I no, did. It's, I not, did it's not a great place to get wet either. No, it's pretty cold there. It's, yeah. yeah, that was quite a memorable. There's loads. I could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Yeah. What's the practice of photography taught you about nature? The respect for it, definitely. Mm. Things like we've got bluebells that have come out now in local woodlands here, and it's just respecting the fact that they only come up for a certain amount of time a year and not to go trampling through them and and spoiling them for everybody else basically yeah, yeah. and also litter dartmoor national park is just notorious for people just going up and setting up barbecues and stuff and they leave stuff everywhere and yeah. it's a real it's a real pain and we get a heavy tourist season here and you see it so often, people just, just throwing stuff away. They just have yeah. no respect. It just that, blows that, my that, mind the yeah. number of people that... I remember going to a, a waterfall not far from here, and it's, a, again, a fairly popular spot. It was summer, so, you know, you, quite a few people around and whatever. But I got down to the edge of the path where it's just, there's some sort of... They're not actual stepping stones. There's some rocks across that you can hop across the creek. Right. And there at the bottom of those was half a dozen of those sort of mixed alcohol cans, the pre-mixed Ugh. drinks. Yeah, yeah. Just empties that somebody, you know, yeah. they'd obviously yeah. sat by the thing and just chucked them over their shoulder or at their feet or whatever. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's out of order, you know, people like mcdonald's bags and stuff and they, yeah. they'll, they'll car part and they'll just literally chuck the bag out the window and it's really can you not yeah. just take it home and put it in your bin <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It, it's, uh, it's actually no more inconvenience to you to take it home than it is no window down no. and chuck it out yeah. yeah i don't get it at all yeah. no it blo- just blows my mind yeah. Are there any places that you've been that you've noticed, uh, aside from Dartmoor, that, that that have been damaged over time through over-trafficking? Or... Yeah, yeah, it's Iceland, for instance. I, when I first started going there, it was back in 2010, I think. Mm. And back then, you could literally go out outside of Reykjavik and yeah. you pretty much wouldn't see anybody. It's, but now, the last time I went there was 2015, I think. And it, it's just everywhere you go, there's, I'm guilty of it because I'm a photographer, but there's photographers everywhere. There's tourists everywhere. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't, there's drones flying around and <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> and I know guys that are still running workshops now out there and they say it's getting nigh on impossible to actually shoot there without any disturbance with people in the shot and people it's are like- just so focused on getting their own shot and they'll just walk straight in front of you you never used to get that it's never like that yeah i i I don't understand people's in consideration for other photographers if somebody's there before me and i want to be standing there i'll wait i'm not gonna yeah set up behind them beside them and try and encroach on their space yeah patience but but again i I think it 
it ties in with the whole social media thing. It's like the Instagram generation. Absolutely. They just, they yeah. that shot. They stood there with their selfie sticks and pouting on the beach. And it's, hang on a minute, I'm, I've set a shot up here. He just walked in front of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, just human behaviour just astounds me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of talking a bit more about how you take your photos, how do you incorporate elements of storytelling into your photos? Is that something that you intentionally try to do or is it something that it just happens organically? Um, it's story, yeah, I know what you mean. It's difficult with landscape photography. It's I have done sort of series of pictures, um, yeah, yeah. like collections and stuff where... The whole collection ties together um, on a certain place. That kind of thing was more, I was more focused on that when I was actually doing it for a living. I'd have to shoot things and build up a story. I am actually working on a project at the moment, which I haven't had much chance to, to get into, but I've I started this project with people that work with their hands, so carpenters yeah. and trades and stuff that are, that are dying out. And it's one thing that I've been working on over the years. I haven't really done anything with it. I've got a couple of pictures out, but I've always fancied turning that into a book. There's so many trades here, like people that, uh, that thatch roofs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Dying trades, basically. Yeah, Just yeah. focusing in on 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 that, that one person and an environmental portrait of them, how they work and what they do, all, that, all the process and everything. Yeah, I, th- I think actually with thatching, you you might be onto something there because you've actually got to grow the reeds, get them to yeah. a certain length and height and thickness for them. To, yeah, yeah. Then then you got to harvest them, then you got to dry them out, and basically that entire process itself yeah, is, yeah. is fascinating. I've seen seen a little bit snippets of it. My wife's from the UK, so we've been over there uh, a few times. And okay. it was actually a friend of mine, or a friend of ours, I should say. It's not just my friend. Their brother is actually a, a Thatcher. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just watch them doing a bit of work. They were, yeah. They, they were actually thatching the roof, but they were talking a bit about what they were, what they had to do yeah. before they even got onto the roof to do any oh, of the right, thatching. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think that'd be... I'm looking Amazing. out the window now. We've got a thatched cottage opposite our house, a massive oh. white cottage, and that's that roof is. It looks like it's ready for a new roof. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's quite a it's quite an, um, a task, I think, to rethatch a place. It's yeah, it's not yeah, not a five minute job. Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's your routine when you're out in the field? Are you just hunting around or you've got something in mind before you go how, how does it work what are you thinking about in the field i said earlier about having I mean, i've got all these locations in my head that I, I know where to go so a lot of the time it's a case of just going there and i'll go straight to the subject sometimes i go somewhere different and then the process is first thing i look for is a foreground something that actually ties this shot together and i'll set a few shots up i normally find when i go out and shoot the first sort of 10 12 pictures they don't actually work i'll take them but it's a process of getting into that into the swing of things and then i then i find the shot that i'm after and then from then on it's it's like so i I delete a lot of pictures as i go i know a lot of people do that back on the computer but i tend to do it on the camera i don't delete anything 
No. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of pictures. I do. I have literally of images that I know are no good and will do nothing and I should delete yeah. them. They're just there. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I, I delete as a go. I'm like, I'll look back through, I'll flip through the, I'll flip, no, that looks crap. Let's get rid of that. Delete, delete, delete. And I end up with quite a small number of pictures when I come back. It's like when I used to shoot film, I'd have to shoot like bracketed shots, like all different exposures, yeah, and I'd, right. you know, I'd shoot rolls and rolls of film. But now I actually I have got the ability to shoot the like, infinite pictures, but I don't. I, I go the other way. I, I get it right and as, as close as I can in the camera, and everything else is deleted before I get back to the computer. <laughs> Talking about when you get back, are you straight into it, or do you leave them to? I try to. I try to because I like to with the processing because i don't do that much process and i like to remember the the shot and the condition so if i can process it pretty much straight away at least the raw files get them across then i know that's how i remembered it whereas if i leave it for a couple of weeks i'm like oh i can't remember whether that was right or not no fair enough i know some people like to leave them for weeks and i know i was talking to somebody the other day and they reckon they've got shots from three years ago they've oh. actually they've still got them on cards they haven't even taken them off oh the god no i couldn't cope no, with I'm that the same. The OCD would be like... <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm the same as soon as the cards home the yeah they get backed up because I know that's then going to get backed up to my NAS drive and it's also going to get yeah. up to the cloud. So I've got three copies of the thing. <laughs> I don't trust cards enough. You know? No. Yeah, I, I immediately, I, I download them straight away and then yeah. I, I, I don't clear the card straight away until the rules are done and it's gone through to the TIFF stage and yeah, then right. I'll delete the card. Yeah. And then obviously it's all backed up. And... Are you printing much work now? No, I'm guilty no. of. I haven't got. I haven't got one picture on the wall at home of, of my own. I, I'm too self-critical. Yeah, <laughs> which Nothing is a shame. Really. <laughs> yeah, no, it's never had any pictures like that. My partner, she keeps saying to me, "Oh, we need to print this out. We need to print that." I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I should do more. Really, I should do more because it looks great. I, I get prints done. I sell prints occasionally and I'll get prints done for people that want them. And when I do get them printed, it's so good to see it in print. You, you, you miss that element of it. One thing, one thing I do, even if I don't do it for a wall or for a client, it's, I put a bunch in, I do a book and I also yeah. do a cal- calendar each year. Okay. Um, so 12, 12 best shots go into the calendar and the book is sort yeah. of like maybe the top 40 maybe if I've got that many from a year. <laughs> oh, that's a good and idea. Yeah, and then I've got them. It looks pretty schmick in, in a book and it's printed. There's no words in the book. It's not Yeah. It's literally a picture book you flip through. Oh, right. It. But it, it's right. better than the old photo albums, I reckon. It's just... yeah. Uh, because you and you've can, got you've got you look like you've got a home office there is that right i you, do yeah i, I yeah. do have a print of it it's uh only a4 size so it's all yeah. right for test print so i use that to see have i got the image to a point where i'm happy to hand it off to a printer yeah yeah you know as print and screen are very different so yeah. i use this to make sure okay it's bright enough i'm not yeah there's no no funny black splodges and there's no yeah horrible white splodges in there and I've got everything the way that I want it before I then send it off to the printer. 
So I, it, I use a printer locally, and another one I use is in Germany. Actually, they do okay. like metal prints for me, like yeah. aluminium prints, and yeah. they're absolutely pure, they're brilliant. They're just like they, they come back, and you think, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I often give like physical prints with it with an NFT. So I've done quite a few where I've sent them off to people, nice. and they've got them like hanging up on the wall, and it's it looks great. I always think it's nice to to actually NFTs are, are good, and it's great that they buy them. But mm. I think it's nice to have that to send them that physical print as well. Oh, absolutely, so, De- definitely. Um, I mean, I I I've got a couple of metallic prints floating around actually. I don't know. I don't have any here in the room at the moment, but I also I found a place that does really nice acrylic. So they do oh, right. metallic paper and then apply that to the back of the acrylic. So you've got this clear sheen. There's no border or frame around it. So yeah, it, it, it just looks really clean. And, and when you're getting one that's about a metre and a half wide, it just looks phenomenal no oh yeah i don't yeah. think there's anything better than uh seeing you work that big and no i've, I've only you sold a few of those you and I've given... me to get some prints done i think i think i need to invest in a better printer um but yeah, yeah I, should, I should do it should should do more of it really what do you do when you've hit a creative block do you are you hitting those now are you were you hitting them when you were doing it professionally and are you have you changed the way that you deal with it when I was professional-wise, I didn't have time to have creative blocks. It was just like you just had to get it done. Crack on um, and get it done. Yeah, but I have, I obviously had at the end of my sort of photographic career professionally, I did have a complete sort of, I just completely lost the plot on it. I didn't know, didn't, just didn't have that sort of drive to go out and shoot. Yeah. Occasionally, I've got to admit with NFTs, I've been in NFTs now for about, what when was I start? July 21, I started, mm-hmm. 2021. Yep. And during during the last couple of years, I have had times where it's a tough thing. It's despite my years of experience and stuff and you know, dealing with the ups and downs of it, it, yeah. it's, it is tough. It's I read posts from people, other people sometimes and you think, yeah, I completely understand how you get so frustrated and you want to give it up. And right. I have had those moments, but you just got to just push through and get back to that mentality where it's, I'm shooting because I want to indulge. And if the NFT doesn't sell, whatever, like just carry on, just carry on yeah. regardless. <laughs> I, I can't I stop minting stuff back in 2021. I think November 2021 yeah. was the last time I minted some, something and decided I'm just going to concentrate on the core business side of things now because it was to be honest it was just getting too much of a distraction on being on social media and on twitter constantly trying to do twitter yeah. spaces i haven't been in a twitter space now for nearly a year and a half at least yeah um, i haven't done, i haven't been in one for about a year i think now so it, i don't know it kind, kind of lost its sheen i saw a lot of really strange behaviors going on as well yeah i shouldn't say they're strange because Despite everyone saying Web 3.0 is a thing, I still think we're sitting along with Web 2.1a, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 2.1b, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a long way to go, yeah. People always talk about decentralisation. and Yeah, so the, the platforms aren't decentralised in the first place. No. No decentralisation in a, a lot of the... The marketplaces there's no decentralization in a lot of the 
the hosting services that are around it. And I'm just not seeing the promise that was there back in 2021, you know, late no. 20, early 2021, going no. up real soon. And it, it is, it's gone a bit crazy. It's, it's, I think everything moves at like a thousand miles an hour. And you just got, you either try and keep up and keep changing your, your output. And I see some photographers, they've gone down like this AI route. And yeah. I've got nothing against ai but oh nor do i it, it makes some nice art my, yeah. my my biggest issue with it is whose work is it exactly yeah you don't know where this the pictures are sourced from you know and it's oh it's, it's not a, a not even that if, if if i type the words in and i still i i personally can't feel any ownership of it unless i then no take the output and then play with it <laughs> no because and the, it's and the like, well, what, what i did was i typed some words and there you go. And as, as a photographer, I want to go out and yeah, shoot. I want to experience the world. I don't want to sit there going typing out some bloody phrase to end up with a picture and think, oh yeah, that's all right. And it's, what's the point? <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I, the bit that does annoy me is the people that on social media they're trying to pass some of their AI work that has, has been polished up and potentially some of it's been mixed media. Maybe they, they've added some photography in there to enhance yeah. it beyond what even the AI can do. And the AI is doing some fantastic stuff from a, a photorealistic imagery perspective, but where they're not being honest and they're posting it in forums and putting hashtags for photo sharing. Yeah. Them, accounts that are then resharing them because they are incredibly engaging images they look fantastic yeah but then you go hang on a sec you you're all about promoting photography but you're now promoting not photography yeah. so it's, where's your credibility like that, that, that line is getting very fuzzy now and it's going to get harder it. and harder I, I think the the journalistic photography space is going to be absolutely incredible for people to understand yeah. what people that aren't familiar with the technology are going to be blown away by what it can do I, I saw i saw somewhere a series of images which were obviously somebody uh, done a, a series i don't know whether it was mid journey or dali or somewhere and they'd done a, a series of the coronation after party Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw those. Yeah, I know what you mean. Some of them are brilliant. I must admit. They're, they're fantastic images. Yeah. And I, I love the humour behind them. But yeah, you, you could see where this is going from a journalistic yeah. perspective if you wanted to write a narrative yeah. that said these people are doing this instead of what they're really doing. It's what's worrying about it is that it, people question the authenticity of, of your work. If you exactly. have produced a photograph that's traditionally created... Yeah, that people yeah. will say. People used to say, "Oh, is it Photoshop?" But now it's, "Oh, is it AI?" And it's yeah, going to get either yeah. or both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, talking about that, what's the future of photography? Where do you see it going? It's worrying, to be honest. It's. I think there'll always be a place for traditional photography. It's, yeah. I was shooting film up until recently because just purely because I just still like the process of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I don't. <laughs> no, I've got to the point where I think that there's so much hassle trying to get the image from film. You've got to digitise it anyway. When it's anything, what's the point? You yeah, know? well, that's but, the thing. If you want to share it beyond your family, you've got to digitise it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And by I mean, that I, stage, you then use going, okay, I might as well use Photoshop on it. And then it's yeah, yeah, no longer. I mean, work. I think, I think as a, as a medium, photography will always be there. The AI thing, yeah, it's the latest thing, and I don't know whether it'll last or whether it'll it'll take on some of the form, but I think people like to be creative and I don't, I might be speaking out of turn here, but I don't think you can be as creative typing in prompts and you can with a camera in your hand. That's yeah, my I, view. I, yeah. yeah I, I, I tend to agree with that. I get your imagination has virtually no limits and therefore anything you think of you could generate or get the AI to generate, which, and I've, I have seen some incredible images and some bizarre stuff that you go, wow, how did they even, what kind of mind comes up with that? And it's not yeah. that it, it's horrific or anything. It can still be a, a stunningly beautiful image that you go, wow, where did you get, where did you get the, the brain that, oh, no, <laughs> that comes no. up with that sort of thing? That said, I think photographically you can also get very creative and do things that yeah. haven't. There's still room to explore. There's still things that haven't been done with photography. I know a lot of photographers will say um, everything's been photographed. Maybe landscape photography. There's very few places now that have been left unshot. There must yeah. be some, you know, hole in the ground that nobody's gone down to. With, with a camera maybe but uh, beyond yeah. that I, I think overall photography there's, there's still plenty of space for exploration and uh, experimentation I, th I think photography for me I, I like to record reality and yeah, I I'm think in this day and age people are so keen to escape reality and that's where it's going at the moment and it's yes yeah, it's, it's all well and good but we've got beautiful things on this planet why not record that and absolutely. you know, as you see it rather than trying to create something that doesn't exist? Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what about social media? Where do you, where does that play a life or where does that play out in your photographic life? Yeah, Twitter is, I'm put my hands up. I'm a Twitter addict. I'm always on the bloody thing. And it's social media for me. I started out, there was no social media. Christ, I didn't yeah. even have a mobile phone. <laughs> just, we're just locked into this thing. And it's, I'm old enough and ugly enough now to, to rein it in a bit if I need to. But yeah. I do feel for my kids, I'm, my, my son's 15 and he's got YouTube and Facebook and everything. And it's just Again, it's this lack of reality thing. It's You've got this whole system where they're always trying to get likes and be appreciated and all the rest of it. And you, you don't need that, really. If it's, it's just it's a dangerous thing, I think, if you go down down that sort of hole, if you like. But it, it also is a powerful tool. And if you use it, and I think if you, like I say, if you balance it, it, it can be quite useful. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the important thing is getting the, I guess, the life skills and the resilience to be able to put it down, not look at it. I've got to say, it's really refreshing if I go somewhere and I haven't got any kind of reception. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just don't look at it for days on end, which is absolutely marvellous sometimes. Because, yeah, <laughs> it, it is because you can concentrate on being 
in the present and being in the moment with whoever it yeah. is that you're there with. And the, I, I think, unfortunately, because of the global coverage of internet now, it, it's harder and rarer to find those places where the, there is no yeah, coverage yeah. and you can actually switch things off and forget about yeah, them for a while. I take my son wild camping on Dartmoor quite a bit and we go to places there where there's no signal and it's just me and him, a stove, we walk, we kind of photograph stuff and, and nice. it's just a complete sort of di- distraction from the real world for five minutes or the unreal world, I should yeah, say. The, <laughs> yeah, the altered world. Yeah, yeah. If you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Good question. I've always fancied being an architect. I'm quite into architecture as well. I like shooting architecture. But again, it's it's quite creative, I think, being yeah. an architect. But yeah, yeah, that's probably, if, if I tried harder at school, <laughs> which I didn't, that's probably, probably the route I would have gone down. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite thing about being a photographer? Being able to to record things that, like you say, it's, it's you know in in years to come might not be there, yeah. trees, buildings, people. It's just it's just that 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 kind of historic thing that you can capture it and you can look back on stuff as well and and relive those moments. Yep. For me, that's that's what it's all about. Cool. What about the worst thing? The worst thing about being a photographer, the fact that I can't switch off. It okay. doesn't matter where I am. I'm always like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. I, I can't switch. Look at the light there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. I, I can be driving and it's like this. Head, yeah. Head's on a swivel. Like, like, oh, that, I, I just saw but, some good light there. <laughs> where can I pull over? <laughs> I don't know. So we're driving along. Oh, look at that light. She's, my, my partner said, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think mine's become used to it. And I know we were up in Queensland, a place called the Sunshine Coast, which funnily enough, for the four days we were there, it pretty much rained every day. But we were driving out to a place called Mullaney, which is, is a famous tree on a hill that overlooks the Glasshouse Mountains up there. Anyway, we were on their way there and I could we'd, you drove over this causeway over this dam that's there and I looked out and I thought oh that looks good wonder what that's going to look like at sunset so managed to time the drive back so that we were there for sunset and I clocked this spot to pull over and I'm there walking down alongside the causeway with the traffic coming past and just a a bit of armco between me and the the road and trying to set the tripod up on this um, in amongst these reeds and everything just to catch this sunset at this particular dam because that's how I roll it. The things we do for photographs. Yeah. Like... <laughs> but the wife, the wife was all about it. She, she was happy to tag along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, are there any photographers out there you think I should be talking to? Um, Neil Bunnell. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great. He's, you know, what he's doing or what he's been doing for years, it's, it's really good stuff. Very minimalist stuff sometimes. Uh, I'm just trying to think of Paul Moon Photography. Okay. He's a lovely guy. Again, he shoots stuff that's real and nice. he's got yep. a real passion for it and that, that comes across, I think. So definitely those two. Fantastic. Thank you. I've got one more question for you and for all my listeners, it's the most important one I can ask. Do you like Uh-oh. pineapple on pizza? <laughs> Definitely. I'm all for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I know it's wrong, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> now, it's a very divisive topic. There's a lot of people, a lot of yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm a take it or leave it guy. I, I, I don't care if it's there, if it's not there. It's... In fact, it's one of my favorite toppings. Really? <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me, Lee. It's been absolutely wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and fantastic to catch up with you and finally talk. Where can people find your work? My website's probably the best thing, which is leepengeli.com. Everything's on there. I, I need to do an update on that website. It's another thing I'm, I'm guilty of not getting getting on top of. But there's there's links on there for everything else as well. So all the NFT stuff. I'm not doing workshops anymore, but obviously all my, my latest work I'm posting up there and the links to the social stuff there is is on there as well. So that's probably the Fantastic. best place. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you too. It's been good to talk to you. Fantastic. It's been fun. Sorry about the dog. Oh, no, that's it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> he's been Hopefully pretty he's still alive. All right. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. If you're interested in buying prints or photography gear or doing a photo workshop with me, these are also on sale on my website. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.